From 90.7 WFAE, this is Newsworthy for Tuesday, February 27, 2024. I'm Eric Teal. North Carolina's public schools currently get one A to F letter grade based primarily on student test scores. State Superintendent Catherine Truitt Monday pitched a new system that would give each school four grades. And Doss Helms reports. Truitt has spent two years leading talks on a more meaningful way to size up schools. We have to do more than simply look at test scores that occur on one day of the year. She told the House Select Committee on Education Reform that the current system identifies too many schools as low-performing and then does too little to support them. Principals are required to write three separate school improvement plans. But Truett said the Department of Public Instruction does not have staff to follow up with more than 800 low-performing schools. So those plans sit in cyberspace. No one is minding the shop. No one is ensuring that a local principal is, in fact, carrying out that school improvement plan. Or if they are doing it, no one is helping them measure whether it works or not. Truett said she'd like to get legislative approval to pilot a new approach this fall. It would issue one letter grade based on student proficiency and a second on student growth, measures that currently combine for one grade. A third readiness grade would reflect what elementary and middle schools are doing to inform students about college or careers and how many high school graduates are actually moving into jobs, college, or the military. The fourth opportunity grade would include chronic absenteeism, school activities, and teacher surveys on school climate. It will allow the department to better use state dollars to assess and support schools in doing a better job of educating our students. Truett said she hopes the General Assembly will approve a pilot this year. In 2025, she hopes they'll follow up by expanding the program and allocating money to support it. And Doss Helms, WFAE News. You can learn more about the plan to revamp school performance grades at WFAE.org. Republican leaders of the General Assembly cast further doubt on Charlotte's proposed $13.5 billion transportation plan, which would spend most of that money on rail transit. Steve Harrison has this report. Both Senate Leader Phil Berger and House Speaker Tim Moore said they are skeptical of Charlotte's plan. Moore, who is running for Congress in a district that includes part of Mecklenburg County, said he doesn't think Charlotte is big enough to warrant more rail transit. Most of us have traveled either to other countries or other cities where you have the density support to support mass transit in a, in a very significant way. And I don't know if Charlotte's there yet, but I think it's appropriate certainly to plan for it in a lot of ways. He said the city needs to spend most of any new money on roads. The most pressing issue right now is the way 95% of the people get to and from work or wherever, and that is in a car. The city needs legislators to approve placing a penny sales tax referendum on the ballot, something they can't do without support from Republican leaders in Raleigh. Steve Harrison, WFAE News. Charlotte City Council Monday night approved $4.8 million to build the next segment of the Cross Charlotte Trail. The 1.4-mile segment will go through the Hidden Valley neighborhood from North Tryon Street to Orr Road. The Greenway is planned to cross Mecklenburg County and total about 30 miles. Charlotte will soon have its first all-electric fire station featuring an electric fire truck. City Council voted Monday night to spend $10.3 million to build the fire station on Beam Road near Shopton Road and South Tryon Street.
Council member Dimple Ejmera said it's an important step towards the city's goals of a lower carbon future. We have a goal of going carbon-free by 2030 for all of our internal facilities. So this is a bold step forward. The new firehouse will replace the current one on Bell Oaks Drive, which was built in 1955. Charlotte City Council is considering shifting more money to the Hornets Spectrum Center renovations. Under a plan presented Monday night, the city would still give the Hornets $275 million in total, but $245 million of that would now go towards Spectrum Center, which the city owns. The remaining $30 million would go to a new Hornets training center, with the Hornets covering the rest of the facility's cost. Economic Development Director Tracy Dodson told the City Council that the Hornets' new owners now want to build their training center on a gravel lot near the arena, not in a new development where the transit center is now. They had a bigger vision for a bigger, world-class facility. They wanted to actually invest more, and they desired to control the development so that they could get an earlier delivery. North Carolina Senate Leader Phil Berger said Monday he's not in favor of any, quote, wholesale changes to the state's ban on most abortions after 12 weeks. Steve Harrison has more. The previous cutoff for abortions had been 20 weeks. North Carolina last year lowered that to 12 in most cases. Berger, a Republican, said in Charlotte on Monday that he doesn't expect any new abortion legislation in the upcoming short session that begins in April. I don't see us making any substantial changes to that, uh, uh, clearly in the short session, and I personally would not be in favor of any wholesale changes uh, long term. Berger was responding to a question about whether the General Assembly should restrict or protect access to in vitro fertilization. The Alabama State Supreme Court recently ruled that frozen embryos could be considered children under state law, prompting some fertility clinics to close. Steve Harrison, WFAE News. The Matthews Town Commissioners meeting ran off the tracks Monday night as council members allowed public comments on Zoom that devolved into anti-Semitic and homophobic rants unrelated to the agenda items. Commissioner Mark Tefano objected when one speaker's volume was turned down and Commissioner Renee Gardner said the comments did not reflect the values of Matthews. No, I refuse to step down on this. This man, although we may not agree with him and we find it, maybe some of us find it repulsive, you have no right to turn down the volume on this man. I no do, right. Mr. Tefano, I do not need to hear from anybody about putting their mouth on, the, on a child's genitals. Whether I agree with him or not, the language that he used was offensive on every level. Commissioners took a five-minute recess and later resumed the meeting. Charlotte-Mecklenburg police are asking for help in a sexual assault case in North Charlotte over the weekend. The case stands out because it involved a stranger and a home invasion, and the survivor is 86 years old. Police say a man broke into a home on Hucks Road near West Sugar Creek Road at around 7.30 Saturday night. CMPD Deputy Chief Tanya Arrington says he physically and sexually assaulted the woman before fleeing on foot. As a female... And then, you know, as a person that has, um, you know, God rest their soul, grandparents, um, I can only imagine what she's going through at this time, mentally, physically, emotionally. 86 years old just don't make any sense. Arrington said officers canvassed the area for witnesses and camera footage but haven't found anything so far. They described the suspect as a heavyset black man in his mid-20s wearing jeans, a jacket, and hat. 
CMPD is asking anyone who may have noticed something odd in the area at that time to contact police. North Carolina's new 8th Congressional District stretches east from Charlotte through mostly rural counties along U.S. 74 to Robeson County. With incumbent Dan Bishop running for attorney general, six Republicans are trying to replace him. One is Mark Harris, who appeared to have won a similarly drawn district six years ago. Then a mail ballot scandal, allegedly masterminded by Harris's own political consultant, led the state board of elections to call for a new vote. Now, voters must decide, does Harris deserve a second chance? Steve Harrison has this report. Voters in the 8th have been bombarded with this commercial from the super PAC, America Leads. It was called the nation's greatest electoral fraud, and it was Mark Harris's fault. Harris looked to have won a 2018 congressional race by 905 votes, but the State Board of Elections ordered a new vote due to allegations of fraud. Harris supported that move, saying, quote, I believe a new election should be called. Political operative McRae Dowless, whom Harris hired, was later charged with illegally collecting mail ballots from voters in Bladen County. He died in 2022 before his trial. Harris, a pastor, spoke recently at a GOP lunch in a Golden Corral in Monroe. He addressed the scandal in a roundabout way. Candidates and political powers with more than a million dollar of PAC money are involved in the silliest ads and the silliest attacks. He noted that super PAC, America Leads, used to support a Republican who's against former President Trump, whom Harris wholeheartedly supports. See, this pack, uh, America Leads, has ties to Chris Christie. I think we all know that name around here. Harris then pivoted to his biggest rival in the race, Republican state legislator John Bradford. He lives in North Mecklenburg, which isn't in the 8th District. Bradford has said he will spend $2 million of his own money to win. And one of the candidates in this race, and I'll just call him out, John Bradford, is very close friends with Tom Tillis. And together, their mindset has been that we're going to somehow buy the 8th District congressional seat. Harris and Bradford attacked one another in a debate last month while ignoring the rest of the field. Harris cast Bradford as a moderate who wouldn't support a ban on abortions after six weeks. Bradford said he was pro-life, though he didn't answer specifically whether he would vote for a so-called fetal heartbeat bill. Bradford also criticized Harris for his role in the 2018 scandal. But the evidence was clear that they had hired someone on the campaign that had, that had done election ballot harvesting, and that's illegal. There are four others running. Former Union County Commissioner Alan Baucom, Cabarrus County Realtor Lee Brown, former Naval Officer and author Don Brown, and Republican activist Chris Maples. A farmer, Baucom is lending his campaign $1 million of his own money. He's been endorsed by the sheriffs and district attorneys in Union and Stanley counties. He says he asked Harris not to run last fall. One is that is negative to Christianity. Two, it's a negative to his family. Why would you put your family through this? Three, that it's a negative to the Republican Party. And he said that he had won the election, he was entitled to it. Since announcing his candidacy in September, Harris, who was never criminally charged, says he made a mistake when he asked the State Board of Elections to call for a new election during an investigatory hearing in 2019. 
keep in mind that that was based on the information that we were receiving in that hearing. So much more came out later. He says there weren't enough questionable ballots to change the result. And he's upset that a former Democratic member of the state elections board was communicating with Harris's Democratic opponent, Dan McCready, before and after the investigation, according to reporting at the time by WBTV News. So the more and more it began to take shape that there was some kind of manufactured scandal here that had overturned an election, that's when I realized, wow, this is, this is unbelievable. That omits some of the facts, such as that the state elections director at the time, Kim Strack, was a Republican. And it leaves out the most explosive part of the scandal, Harris's own son, a prosecutor, testifying that he warned his father against hiring Dallas. And at one point in 2019, Harris's lawyers stopped him from testifying, worried that he might perjure himself. He says now, old news. The people of this district know what happened, and they have their views me, sir, of what happened. And I, I leave that in the hands of the voters. Harris says he's gotten some vitriol while greeting people during early voting. Others, like Joe Pomacats of Union County, say they've moved on. Everybody makes mistakes. I think his heart is where, where it needs to be. If no one gets above 30%, there will be a runoff. The eventual Republican winner will be heavily favored to win the general election in November. Steve Harrison, WFAE News in Monroe. And for Tuesday, February 27th, that's Newsworthy. I'm Eric Teal.